Yeah, what is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of From My Experience Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and I'm in a great mood, and you'll find out why in a minute. But I'm not alone. I have the co-hostess with the mostest, Erica, with me. Erica, what is going on? How are you? Nothing much, nothing much. It's freezing outside. That's about it. Yeah. Gotta go clearing my car off with snow and ice. Oh, y'all got snow? Oh, uh, we had snow. This past week, so yeah. Oh, I don't Been have sniffling. snow. I just had the cold weather. I just, um, I had a full circle moment today. My mom's 70th birthday was in September, and one of her close friends helped us set up. And then her daughter is having a birthday in the same event center today. And I was like, well, let me know if she needs help setting up. She did. So I spent about three hours a day over there helping her set up for her daughter's birthday party. Um, so it was just beautiful to see that thing come around full circle. And, um, I definitely snuck a cake pop and some other stuff out of there when they weren't looking. So yeah, it it was a great day. It was a great day. Oh man, it's Saturday. We normally don't record on these days y'all, but every now and again, we have a special guest and Saturday is an option and this guest booked a Saturday. So there's your surprise. We have a special guest in the building. Now, me and this brother go way back to 2005, spring 05. (laughs) What a time to be alive. (laughs) Man, ladies and gentlemen, our very, very, very special guest. He encourages young people to rise through his life-changing messages of resilience, integrity, spirituality, and empowerment. He draws heavily from his own life experiences, captivating and motivating audiences with transparency and authenticity to be the best version of themselves. A former football, baseball, and softball coach, this brother taps into his ability to bring the best out of those whom he mentors and coaches through different stages of life. His practical approach to living an abundant life will strike the hearts of many. Ladies and gentlemen, we have my brother, my brother, my gamma new brother, Mr. DC is Brown. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? What's up, Rob? What's up, Miss Erica? It's just <laughs> a blessing to be here. I'm excited. And uh, listen, man, can't wait to chat and let's get it going. Man, Deceus, so <laughs> we go way back. Uh, you were on your way out of college. I was just really getting started in college. So there's a yeah. lot I don't know about you, um, but just following you on social media and seeing what you've been doing, man, I was like, yo, it's time. I was like, I got to have my brother on the show, man. So thank Absolutely. you for accepting the invitation and thank you for coming through. Absolutely, man. Thank you for the invite, man. Like I said, I'm just, I'm happy to be here, man. I'm happy to, you know, put the story out there, man. And, you know, anything I can do to help you know, our young brothers, our young men, our youth today, man, I'm all in and I'm all for it. So happy to be here, brother. Yes, um, sir. You, are, you know, you're telling my age a little bit too, man. You know, I, I was on my way out of, he was on his way out of college. I was just coming in. Man, come on, man. You, 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 set, you set me up here, man. The gap is not wide, though. The gap is not wide, man. It's only like a two or three year gap. They know how old I am. So, I mean, we, you know, hey. The goal yeah, is to now, get older. Now, now they know how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing we definitely share in common is a life in education. Um, I spent 10 years as a teacher. And now you're at the 20 year mark or nearly 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, man. It is, uh, you know, it's been a journey. And uh, just honestly, man, I, you know, I've seen a lot happen and a lot change just, you know, over my, you know, going on 20 years of education and, you know, kids are still at the center of it for me. The youth, yeah. these young men, these young boys, man, they're still at the center of it for me. Um, but I, you know, I've seen things change and I think that just, that motivates me and inspires me, man, especially, you know, what I see our young people going through, um, the changes that they go through, the difficulties, the struggles they go through, mm-hmm. and also, man, the outside and, you know, negative influences that they're experiencing on a daily basis, man, yeah. that keeps me motivated to uh, stay in the work mm-hmm. as an educator um not so much like in the school building necessarily mm-hmm. you know they're they're different forms different yeah. paths of you know being an educator but that's that just keeps me in this race man keeps me in this work so yep i'm all in 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, man. Um, you know, leaving the classroom was very difficult. People, oh, you're a black man. The kids need you. Like my kids to this day, like are grown, married. They still hit me on Facebook and tell me I was their favorite teacher. Mind you, these are my South Carolina kids. I only taught fourth and fifth grade, and you're telling yeah. me you had all these people after me, but like you remember me that much and the impact. And one of the things that you said, you know, all kids face challenges, y'all. But like the boys. It's, it's very different. It's very, very different. Um, I'm just thinking back to some of the boys that I had to like pretty much mentor and pull to the side. You, you usually manifest in anger or withdrawal from what I've seen. And when you have those conversations, sometimes you find out it's something as simple as they don't know what affection is. They don't know what it's like for someone to be proud of them. They don't know what it's like to be rewarded for their hard work. They don't know what it's like to be taught a different way and shown a different way versus being yelled at and scolded. Um, and I was glad that I was able to reach some young men and really like pull them to the side and say, Hey, you know, what's going on with you? What's, what's happening with this? Oh, that's what's happening. Well, let me show you a different way. Let me show you a better way. This is why you're getting that type of reaction. How about you try this this time and let's see how that works out for you. So you definitely, um, for those educators out there who may be struggling with things in your classroom, um, the issues that boys and girls, especially little black boys deal with are, it's their worlds apart. They can be worlds apart and you really got to take the time just to get them to open up and trust you and to have that conversation. So, yeah, man. Absolutely, Rob. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I, I tell teachers all the time, like this is a marathon, you know, like a lot of times you're not going to see the change right now yeah and you know which is which is a part of the problem i think a lot of teachers or a lot of educators are uh looking for that change that happens like right away so that they they can feel that they're being fulfilled mm -hmm. or they're they're fulfilling a certain purpose but it's a marathon man it's it's not about today like it's really about tomorrow it's about those students that you taught rob 10 years ago that are in adulthood now and they're calling and they say man i remember you said a b c and d like that's the work, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, and and we don't we don't expect them to get it right away. Some of them will, yeah. Some of them do, but the ones that get it even ten years from now, man, like the work has been done, the purpose has been fulfilled, and that's what we're chasing after, man. Like one quote that I've been kind of living by as an educator is, if the smallest portion of the world looks to you for change, then change the world, no matter how small the portion. Ooh, hold on, Just I got those. Uh, and and that that's a Beastie's Brown quote too, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me just put that out there, right? But uh, it's it's exactly what you said, man. It's it's those two or three that yeah. that really get it that makes the work still purposeful after twenty years of oh my goodness, I got to get up and go do do this again. Yeah, right. <laughs> again, it's those two or three that call every ten years and they keep you going, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Erica, what you got? I'm tossing to you. Oh, just that I definitely see that a lot with my mom because she's been a teacher for about 20 plus years too. So we can never go out anywhere without her running into one of her old students. And they're like, oh my gosh, I wish you would be my husband. I wish you would be my kids. I wish you would be my grandkids and everything like that. <laughs> so, And also because like, even when she does come home from work and she's tired, she's exhausted and she doesn't know if she wants to be in a classroom anymore. It's always those that handful of kids that she looks at because it's like no one's going to vouch for them as much as she will. No one's going to want to see them progress and be successful in life as much as she does. So just definitely that. I understand that part of it as well. Kids need to know that you care 100%. Yes, you're, you're correct. And I, you know... I saw a post on social media and I actually had uh, a guest on here, another fellow Claffinite, um, tell us stories about how teachers discourage them. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I that I really took to heart during the school year and I had to always keep in mind in my days of frustration when I was absolutely pissed off and I might have just wanted to trip one of them little lovely, beautiful students up. <laughs> <laughs> these kids are during the school year those kids are spending more time with you than anybody else as far as consciously awake aware paying attention time because when you go home they might have four or five hours and they're in the bed you know what i'm saying and mm -hmm. then you have the weekends but like they're spending a majority of the time with me 
I want this to be a good time for them and I want this to be a time of them to learn. And one of the things I used to tell all of my kids, you can be whatever it is you want to be when you grow up. As long as you're willing to work at it, as long as you're willing to study and do it, you can do it. For like all those kids who say, oh, I want to be a basketball player, I want to be a football player. We did the numbers. We calculated the number of middle schools in the country, high schools, and college. And I said, all those kids... That's your competition. Then we looked at the NBA. We looked at how many teams there were and how many people were on the roster. I said, this is how many open spots there are for this dream or this goal you want. Here's all the people that want it. Yeah. So when I say you got to put in the work and you got to work at it, these are the people you're competing against. It can be done, but just keep in mind that it's not a walk in the park. It's not as easy as social media makes it look. Um and back to something you said earlier, and I want you to definitely share this because I've been out of the classroom now for about a year. What are some of the influences that you're starting to see and some of the trends that you're starting to see that are kind of like, eh, I wish I could get rid of this or, oof, this is something I need to be mindful of when working with these kids? Shoot, man, I, I think the question is, like, what's not an influence? <laughs> yeah. Like, like what's what's not a trend, you know? Um, I've been, you know, I've been out speaking at schools and, you know, even in my own school when I'm, I'm meeting with boys or, you know, just trying to speak some life into a man, you look around the room and like, everybody's dressed the same way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so what's like, what's, what's not an influence? What's not a trend? Like they're listening to the same music. Mm. They like the same things like social media is like. <laughs> the forefront of everybody's minds yes. for probably 20 hours of the day. Mm. A lot of students, especially high school students, man, they probably walking into the building with three, four, five hours tops of sleep per night. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And as they lay in their bedrooms, I'm pretty sure like they're, they're scrolling through the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, that's what's tough, man. And I, I, I'm going back to something that you said a little while ago, like they spend a little more time with us than they do with anybody, but that's why the time they spend with us is so important. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if we don't make the most of the time that we spend with them, like the eight to 10 hours that we spend with them will not be as impactful as the three or four hours that they spend outside of our school building. Yep. Because once they're outside of our school building, like the streets are teaching them. <laughs> yeah. Social media, social media is going to teach them. The music is going to teach them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, to waste those eight hours that we have with them, that's a crime. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so I think, yeah, that's the that's really the question. Like, what's what's not an influence? So, knowing that there's social media out there, the streets are out there, especially for our boys, the music is out there, and just sometimes the influence is not even in the homes that they go to. Yeah. So that makes our work like that more that much more important. Yeah. It, it definitely does. And, and difficult in some stages too. And what the funny, funny enough, I had, sorry if any of my former students are listening. Don't take this as a dish y'all. I love y'all, but t I love teaching sixth grade. I taught the most kids, but only had to teach one subject and they were at a certain level of maturity. They were like still kids, but kind of mm -hmm. like you could see a vast difference between the fifth graders and the sixth graders. And one of the things I did a lot more was pay attention to what they were talking about in the hallway because, whoo, they let it fly in the hallway. And like every morning, I'm like, watch your mouth at least 100 times. <laughs> but I would interject in some of their conversations and dispel some of the stuff that they thought was true or some of the things that, you know, they thought they knew how certain things worked. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's not how this works. Like, where'd you see that from? Where'd you get that from? Oh, okay. And then, you know, they had computers and stuff. I'm like, go on YouTube and look at look at this and then come back and tell me what you think tomorrow. Because some of them weren't even my students. And they come back, oh, Mr. Wilson, yo, I found out that, you know, this person was doing this and saying this, but you got to have a degree. You got to go to school. You got to do all these things to get this. But they're making it seem like they just had it this whole time. I said, exactly. I was like, people can sell you whatever they want on the internet. People can rent a car, can rent a house, can gather friends and put on fancy clothes and make you think that they're living a certain life and they're not. So I'm like, you have to dig deeper and you have to ask questions. Don't just take everything at face value. But also, 
Don't think because you don't have those things yet. I mean, you're a kid. <laughs> Just because you don't have those things yet doesn't make you less than. You know, you're allowed to have your own hopes, your own dreams, your own wishes, and you don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. So both your parents were educators. Both of my parents were educators. Man, Lord have mercy on me. <laughs> <laughs> my dad Bro, was in the man, military, like, so not, not only not only were they educators, right? But I I went to when I was in first and second grade. My mom was a first grade teacher, so I was actually at the school <laughs> she worked at. So you know, there was really there was not much room for error. <laughs> But there were a lot of errors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we grew up in a different time too, y'all. Not gonna tell our age yeah. again, but we grew oh, up in a goodness. very different time. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I just I just put it like this, man. We grew up in a time where, you know, mom stepped in the classroom and she gave me that little come here motion with her fingers. <laughs> took me in the teacher's lounge and oh. I came with tears in my eyes. I would just say that. You know what I mean? I, I ain't even gonna put it out there like that, but yeah, growing up in those times, it's a little different, you know, um, but the discipline behind it all was was important. Mm -hmm. The discipline was important, especially when it came from a place of I love you like this is this is why this is happening. Yeah. You don't act like this because you've been taught differently. Right. Mm -hmm. What were some of the things you uh, you were influenced by or you you may have struggled with when you were younger in school? Oh, man. <clears throat> in school, I, I think something that the majority of kids struggle with is just wanting to fit in yeah yeah and wanting to feel like you're a part like you're you're in the in crowd and that's that's just not necessarily it and that's something that you know i struggled with for a long time mm -hmm. because i was different i was called to be different right um at the age of nine years old very tender age like i accepted christ at nine years old right mm. So you can imagine like going back to school at nine and, and trying to, <laughs> all right. Yeah. And, and, you know, not to mention like my, we were, you know, very heavily involved in church. My dad was a United Methodist pastor. Um, okay. So I'm in church every Sunday. So, but getting saved at nine, you know, trying to live differently from the way that most kids were living was a struggle. Yeah. Right. So probably by 10 or 11, like, I had already put that on the back burner because that, that just <laughs> yeah, working yeah. out like in my in my young mind, right? Yeah, it's I, tough. I wasn't fitting in, and yeah. I wanted to fit in. Not to mention, like my neighborhood wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. I always call it my imperfect neighborhood. You know, I'm not gonna gonna bring down my community, you know, for for any reason at all. But in my imperfect neighborhood, there were things that I saw, and things that I wanted to be a part of because I started believing that these things were cool. <sighs> That word. Look, up, look up to people that I thought was cool. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And like, this is how you do it. This is how you dress. Um, so I think the biggest thing was just the need to fit in and to fit into a box that you don't necessarily belong in. So I think that was like the biggest, the biggest struggle, the biggest influence for me. Uh -huh. Dang, you got me reflecting. Oof. Yeah, I mean it's it's worth <laughs> it's worth the reflection because even if we you know we look at it from an adult perspective, like how many of us are really being our true and authentic selves? Yeah, right. Like like forget about the childhood. Mm -hmm. Like, am I really being right now who I'm called to be, who I'm purpose to be? Am I really searching for that person? Oof. Right. Or, and and you know, no funny intended, Rob. Or am I trying to be like the next man who has a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. You know, am I am I modeling that or is there something different about me that like gets my podcast going? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what's 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 my true and authentic self that yeah. I that the world needs to see? Right? I, I love that you said that, man. Um, I'm, I'm glad you used the podcast reference. You know, uh, I, I, long story less long. This used to be a relationship podcast mm -hmm. before the explosion like i was doing this like in 2015 this was before everybody had a relationship podcast and it started to get stale and i'm like we could force this y'all but i'm like nah i'm like i want to be able to talk about whatever i want to talk about and i need to have there should be a distinct purpose and then when i came up with from my experience podcast you can't get any more authentic 
than that. It's my life. It's my experience. I'm the one recording and talking to y'all every week. So I'm going to share my experiences with you and bring people on to share their experiences. And let's promote positivity. Like, one of my one of the things that influenced me, I was one of the people who used to watch fight videos, World Star, <laughs> all these crazy yeah. things. Yeah. <clears throat> I still listen to my music, but I've learned that that ain't that life, but it just gets my blood pumping. But oh, um, we're gonna go there in a minute too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not ready to give it up. <laughs> but um, and I was like, I want to promote positivity. I want to be there's very few sources that I've, I've realized just scrolling through social media. I'm like, there's very few sources of just straight positivity, people talking positive. Everyone's capitalizing off of the negative. I want to be the opposite of that. I feel that. I live that. People know me for laughing, joking, and being a certain type of way. I'm like, I can just do that throughout the podcast and let it be what it is. Because like I tell people, this is like breathing for me. Like, this don't feel like work. This ain't a chore. This ain't a pain. This is something I'm going to do forever. This is episode 303. So I've been doing this for a long, 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 long time. Um, so yeah. that authenticity, like what you just spoke about, and just being who I am, that's what makes this like this. Like, there's no faking the funk, no none of that. You know what I'm saying? It just feels good just to be myself on here. And I think that's important for y'all out there listening. You know, search for that. And... It's not always easy. Some people are going to still think you're being fake. Some people aren't going to accept it. Um, some people are going to think, oh, you're trying to be better than me. Some people are going to think, oh, you're just doing that just because. But your journey is your journey. <laughs> it's not right. It's not for anybody else to understand. It's not for anybody else to necessarily be comfortable with. It's your Absolutely. journey. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's your journey. It's your journey. What you about to say about the music, man? Go ahead, man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> <What> you... <laughs> Listen, man, I just, I, I, ha I had to bring it back there, right? Because you talked about, you know, what were some major influences for me. Yeah. Just growing up, man, and, and music was definitely one of them. I think yeah. I was, was probably about 11 years old and stuff when, when Snoop Dogg dropped Doggy Ooh. Style. Oh man, that's not yeah, you good. See how that, you see how that made you lean back in yeah. your chair? Right? That's not good at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> because, because because we remember we remember what it was. You yeah. know what I mean? Like gangster rap is you know was then like what the trap music uh -huh. is is now, right? But man, the like the gangster rap and you know Snoop coming out as popular as he was and as hitting as his songs were, right? Uh -huh. He had me wanting to be like him. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like like Snoop kind of became my idol. I'm like in sixth grade. Yeah. I'm ready to trade in my, my baseball uniform and my trumpet for a dicky suit and a pair of Chuck Taylors. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so in a sense, like Snoop became my idol. But I was as far away from being Snoop as I could have been. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, man, I was in band and chorus. Like I could sing. I was a pretty good trumpet player. Yeah. I was an awesome baseball player. You know what I'm saying? But like Snoop and, and Gangsta Rap like had me wanting to put those things that I was gifted at on the back burner in order to like be a false representation of cool. Mm. And I say a false representation of cool because like that that wasn't my cool. Like that wasn't yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so be because of that, like because of how strong the influence was, man, like I started getting into fights. I wasn't a fighter. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't a fighter, but I started getting into fights. Mm -hmm. I had to walk home from school. I started seeing like, you know, my peers get jumped and I started seeing fights like on a on a weekly, weekly basis. Yeah. Dang. And in my neighborhood, I hear about things going on, but I never had like the front row seat because like my mom and dad wouldn't let me go one street back into the projects. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So I always heard about the fights and the things that happened. But once I started walking home from school in fifth and sixth grade, I had a front row seat to everything that was happening. Yeah. So yeah. between that and the music, I was fueled to be somebody that I wasn't called to be. I was fueled to get tough and put on this tough guy persona. I was fueled to, okay, now I got to get in a fight. I got to let it, I got to let people know I ain't soft. Yeah. Oh, oh there it is. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a punk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that, that was like the influence of the music gangster rap the this is how we do it and we didn't even have a west coast culture man you know what i mean <laughs> at all 
but it didn't matter. Like it's it's what was popular. Yep. And because it was popular, I gravitated to that. And I missed out on so many other things because I gravitated to that. And it took me a minute to recover. <clears throat> so just thinking about, you know, the music and even what we listen to as adults, man, like, you know, our ears are windows. Yeah. And unconsciously, unconsciously, sometimes we find ourselves being and doing what we heard in the song. Because had we never heard of it, we wouldn't have been a part of it. We wouldn't have been doing it. We wouldn't have been dressing that way yeah. or talking this way or calling women this had we never heard the material in a song. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, just something to you, think about. It, I thought it, that's a lie. <laughs> you know, uh, Erica, what were you influenced by? I want to know. Erica's, Erica's mm. much younger than us. so. And I was also very different because like... Um, like you, I definitely went to school with my mom growing up because she was a teacher. So <laughs> I I didn't do anything. I was on my P's and Q's the entire time. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was, yeah, I didn't do anything. Um, and then even in middle school, I kind of just gravitated towards the kids that I knew were in. Also because the difference in time periods is that I was in like the accelerated program or the extended program. Oh, you so smart. So I never. Eh, you smart. Not. Ain't nothing wrong with yeah. being smart. That's what's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's what's really so, cool, right? So it's like I never had the opportunity to actually be around like the kids or anything like that, like throughout like the general like population of like sixth graders. I was mm -hmm. never actually around them long enough unless I was in like PE or something. Congratulations. Yeah. So it's like the same people that I saw in my homeroom, we had the same exact schedules and we never mixed. And looking back, it kind of sounds very bad in a way to like try to treat like kids who weren't in those programs as like trouble kids or anything like that. But I was never in a position where I was mixing with them or anything like that, even in high school. Mm. So... I'm I just got used to the same like thirty faces every day. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's interesting, Erica. You know, Rob, maybe you can relate to this. I think that, and which is a reason why, like, my passion is for the boys and the young men because I mm -hmm. feel like it just hits a little differently, right? I think it's it's cool for the girls to be smart. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. For the girls to have like a, a positive surrounding of people. Boys, on the other hand, on the other hand, I think, and Rob, you've probably heard the saying a lot, like, good guys finish last. Yes. Right? The girls, for some reason, like, they want the bad guy. They want mm -hmm. the... They want Erica. The boys. Not me. The boys that are cool. The boys that, you know, dress a certain way, look a certain way, hang with a certain group of people. And I think that makes it a lot more difficult for, the, for boys yep. and for young men, even. Yep. You know, as we as we navigate life and as we navigate school, I think those are some of the very things that keep us from being our authentic selves because I want to be seen as this. I do want the cute girl to like me, right? Mm -hmm. I want the Erica to notice me. Right? And the only way I'm gonna get I can't get noticed for being good because I'm gonna finish last. I'm gonna finish yep. behind Rob because Rob doing this. Yep. You know? So that's a part of why my passion is the boys and the young men, because like we got to we got to figure this out, man. We got to figure this out. So what is your actual goal or mission when it comes to uh, these young men? So I, I think that's twofold. Right. <clears throat> the mission is to get them to understand who they are, who they're called to be and be their true and authentic selves. Right. But the real mission in that, in being their true and authentic self, is to be their authentic selves in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is for me, because I, I believe that I believe that following Christ is cool. That that's that's just that's where I've arrived to. And I believe that focusing and striving towards eternal reward is cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that we should just be thinking bigger past the here and now, past the what's in, like we should be thinking about 
if if we believe if we believe that there's life after this one yeah then we need to be thinking about how to get to the best part of the afterlife <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah we need to be thinking about how to get to the best part of the afterlife so being your authentic self like walking in integrity walking in integrity when you consider a flower right like that flower it doesn't change like the rose is a rose yeah when the season changes, the rose might die, but like when it comes back, it's it's a rose. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So like being exactly who we're supposed to be in any given situation, who we're called to be in every given situation. But being that in Christ, I think is important because what I what I have come to understand is that God has given us all of us gifts. Absolutely. He's given all of us gifts and he's given us a purpose that we have a certain amount of time to complete. Like we're on a mission and, that and like, the clock, like the clock, the clock is ticking though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it and is. The clock, the clock ticks, Rob and Erica, for the 14 year old, just like it does for the 40 year old. And the thing is, like for the 14, 15 year old, like the clock might, their clock might turn off in a week. Yeah. And we we've just been fortunate enough. You know what I'm saying? To have more time to get it together, but it's just as important for the young man, for the 13 year old. Yep. Get it right to find who he is, to be in Christ as it is for the 30 and 40 year old. Yeah. Because the fact that the matter is, like, we don't know when. We don't. We don't know when the buzzer's going to sound. We, we absolutely don't, man. And, um, that, that really hits deep now that I'm older and we're seeing classmates pass away. Um, I lost my father when I was in college. Like I've had, we've had fraternity brothers pass away and it's, it's crazy. It's like, yo, they're really not here anymore. Like I was just talking to them. Like we just hung out a couple months ago, like, and they're not here anymore. It's over. And I think sometimes we forget what you just said. We don't know when. We don't know when, and I ain't perfect, but I wake up, when I wake up, the first thing I do is say, thank you, God, for another day. It's literally the first words out of my mouth, and then I read my daily Bible verse. That's the first thing I do every morning, because I've been through so many things, and it wasn't for the Lord. I know I wouldn't be here, man. Like Just even keeping me together mentally, just dealing with my past, with the present, the pressures of the everyday life, trying to get out here and succeed and make things happen. It is a lot, and that's what keeps me centered and keeps me focused, and that's another reason why I'm so glad that I discovered this podcast, and this podcast is the way that it is. Like I feel like this is probably one of the biggest purposes that I have on this planet is just to put this out and give people like you a platform to put their message out because voices like yours need to be elevated. You know what I'm saying? Uh, especially above some of all this other stuff that's out here. And like you're saying with these kids, man, they need to hear this kind of stuff and they need to have real conversations um, because the world comes at them much faster than it came at us. Like we had our influences, but we didn't have a cell phone with access to literally yeah, the entire yeah. world. Like the entire world. I don't think people really grasp that. Like when you buy your child a phone and you say here and you don't put parental controls in it, they have access to the entire planet with a little 10, 11, 12, shoot, nine-year-old brain. Think about who you were when you were that age. Yeah. Like, someone told you you swallowed a watermelon seed, you thought you were going to die because the watermelon was going to grow inside you. That's what you were thinking. <laughs> and, you're, and you want to give that person access to the entire world? We got to filter some of this stuff. We got to filter some of this stuff. So um, you have a very noble cause, man. I appreciate you for you know, actually having the strength and taking the initiative to do it. You know, some people know what they should be doing and they just, they're not doing it or they run away from it or they shy, shy away from it. Guilty as charged. I've been one of those people, man. And I'm like, when are we going to stop doing this? When are we going to stop playing these games? Like, it, it, you can't keep saying tomorrow. What happens if tomorrow doesn't come? Because you don't know. Yeah, the thing we got to think about the alternative too, right? Like, mm. what if you don't do it? Mm. What if you don't do it? You know what I'm saying? Like, how how many lives are going to miss out on what you were supposed to bring to them if you don't do it? Wow. And then, like, how do we measure success, right? Like, we're measuring success based off of what the world says success is and what success should look like. 
And we need to start focusing on success from a perspective of, okay, did I complete purpose? Mm-hmm. Mm. Did I, did I change a life? You know what I'm saying? Like, did I, did I speak life into somebody? Like what, yeah. like what? And I, I know we'll, we'll probably get to my book in a minute, but like, what, what have I done? And we're all undeserving, right? We're all unworthy, but like, for real, for real, what have I done on this side of glory to even be accepted into heaven? <laughs> like, what have I, what have I done? Yeah. For real, for, for God to look me in my face and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Like, what have I done? And I think that's how we got to start measuring success. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. ain't about the, the amount of followers that we got and the amount of light clicks that we got, which I, I, I'm i guilty of that. Like, I, I, I'm checking my page. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, how many plays I got? How many likes? I it got? feels like, good. But it, it, man, it ain't about that. Like, yep. how dirty did you get your hands in this work and doing something positive and bringing, like, something different and something Christ-centered into the world? So I think that's the question, Rob. Like, what if, what if you don't do it? What if you don't do it, y'all? He ain't talking to me. No, I'm just playing. He just... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, you know, I'm glad you, I needed to hear that actually, um, based on what we talked about in the beginning, just what I've been going through lately, and I feel like God's trying to elevate me, but I got to get these things off my back because they're trying to hold me. They're trying to keep me here, and I'm like, nah, it's time to go, yo. You you got to go. So, what if I don't do it? What's the alternative? I got to keep that in mind. Erica, you quiet. You you absorbing some of this uh some of this good yes. stuff over here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what what are your what are some of your thoughts on this? Definitely that because I mean, and as cliche as it sounds, time waits for no one. Like it really doesn't. And also just how the clock can strut and it could stop for you at any moment. Also, you could always end up in like the worst case scenario where you're alive but you're not progressing. You're not doing anything. You're just stuck and stand still watching everything and everyone just move past you mm-hmm. and everything and all these things and all this list. And especially like when older people talk like about all these regrets that they have about things that they didn't do when they had the time and they were at the certain age where they wanted to. So it's like, you also have to just live without no regret to it, especially if it's like, you know, that you want to find your purpose in this life and you're stalling on yourself. No one's gonna wait for you and no one's gonna push you to start, basically. You have to do it for yourself. You have to choose yourself at the end of the day. And you have to continue to keep choosing yourself. Mm. I love it. Erica, your turn, questions, your turn. I've been talking a lot. (laughs) Push you out there. Definitely back to how you say that you definitely like to speak life into these young boys and also how growing up, even with having your parents right there front and center, you were still able to be influenced by all these different outside factors. Do you, at some point, do you think as if that you wish that there was someone like you around that you were maybe closer in age with that could have shown you something different and maybe that could have helped deter you from that type of influence or anything that you wish that you could have said to your young self? Absolutely. Uh, Your first question in terms of wishing that I had somebody around like myself, like those people, those people were, were present. Those people were there. Mm -hmm. Right. But we have to seek out that kind of influence Mm -hmm. the same way we seek out the negativity. The same way we're like, hey, I want to be with this crowd like that. It's a choice. It's a choice. Uh You know what I'm saying? I could have I could have very easily like just stayed under my brother's wing or I could have stayed under, you know, some of my coaches wings that I knew were walking in faith and walking in integrity. You know what I mean? I could have I could have made them my mentors. I just could have been around and like, yeah, bro, you automatically my mentor. Like I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be right. But like that, that wasn't it. I wasn't trying to be right. So like those people were there and I think in these situations with even with kids today, like people are available. Mm-hmm. People are there and we all have to want it though. We all have to want it. We yes. all have to want to change, to be different. We all have to want and desire to walk in purpose. And like if we want it bad enough, we'll find out where those people are. 
because a lot of those people are robbed in, in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> and and we know it. And we sit in that classroom every day. Yep. And we see that positive influence in front of us. We see that black man up there teaching and pouring his heart into everybody in this room. But yet I don't take that step to like get under his wing and like get the wisdom, get the knowledge from him. Yep. It's a choice. It's a choice. And instead, like the educators, we end up chasing the kids. Yeah. We end up chasing them and saying, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. We end up begging them, come get this knowledge, come get this wisdom, man, come get this influence. So I would argue, Erica, that like the, the positive influences are there. We got to choose them, though. Yeah. We got to choose them. To my younger self, though, I believe I created a character that <clears throat> I wanted people to believe in. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really me at my core. And I, I believe a lot of you know young brothers are guilty of that very thing, but I think we do a really good job of like the confusing the you that that we create with the you that God created. Uh. Right? I think a lot of people now would just be like, oh no, nah, I'm a real one. I'm a real one. Like I am who I am. Uh-huh. Are you are you who God created you to be? Are you being who God created you to be? Like don't get it confused. Like yeah you real but you fake at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're you're being you're Showing being what they real. You're being a real character. You're playing the role appropriately. You know what I'm saying? But like, you're not being like the you that God created you to be. I think I, I posted a video one time and I said, like, if you don't have character, you're just a character, right? Wow. And, I, and like, that's that's that's, that's really real. what I believe because like, it's a, it's a made up version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And coming up in school, like, I was a made up version of myself. Because then I was like, I was in church faking it on Sunday because the same people in the church, you know, that were there when I accepted Christ at nine years old, when I was 15, those same people were there. So I had to get in church and I had to present myself like, yeah, I'm still saved. I'm still walking in integrity. I'm still walking in Christ. When the reality of it was I was blasting pop when I pulled up into the church, (laughs) y'all. You know what I'm saying? So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Rob. I'm laughing you know, at you and it was, me. Man, it was it was bone thugs. It was bone thugs, man. I turned that music down as soon as it was time to part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying, man? If anybody had been like, you know, outside or if I had to like they would have known. Oh, okay. Okay. Or if they had been like in my neighborhood when I started doing some not so me things to fit in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like had people seen me around the neighborhood they'd have known like, Oh, he faking it in church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know oh, to answer your question to my younger self, it just be, man, be real. Mm-hmm. Like be real. Like, you know, you accepted Christ. Like, you know, this is your path. This is your walk. Like I said, I was a good trumpet player. I was a good athlete. I could sing all the things I put on the back burner. I tell my younger self, man, go after those things because those are the things that you've been gifted to have. Those are the things that are going to ultimately lead you to your purpose in life. So stay after those things. And what would have been, what was like the breaking point for you um, as when you were a young man where you realized, okay, I need to just put the mask down, stop faking it. I need to get back to who I was. Mm, That's a, that's, (laughs) that's a, that's a good question. Um, Man, I think I had a I had a few breaking points, right? Because and just in full transparency, like I don't I don't hold anything back, but I got slaved and I hit like this backsliding stage, right? And I it was always this back and forth with me. Like I it was like double dutch. Like yeah. I was, all right, God, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm in here. I do good for about two weeks and then it's like, huh. Okay. That yeah. ain't really rocking my world. So like I was in and out a lot, right? My senior year, my senior year of high school, um, I was at this play called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, huh. right? And in this play at this church, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time like invited me to uh, come to this play. I kind of talk about this in my book, Young Man, We Gotta Make It to Heaven. But I ended up going with her and 
man, I saw all these people according to uh, the play script, right? All these people that ended up going to hell because of the lifestyles that they chose to live. Wow. And I couldn't help but notice that like some of those people were me. Mm -hmm. Some of those people were me. And I think it, it and it's not that I, I never, it's not that I ever felt like, okay, I'm living a good enough life to go to heaven. But I, I think this like put it in perspective for me, like you're going to hell. Yeah. If you don't get it together, it put it in perspective for me. Yeah, I I believed. You know what I'm saying? I I believe, believed in Jesus. I gave my life to Christ, right? But like did I really? Right. Like did I did I really because if I if I confess to be a follower of Christ and then I'm doing everything else but following him, then I ain't really following him. So like was I was I really saved? And that that play put things in perspective for me, but I still fought it. I sat in my seat and I fought it. Erica, I fought it, I fought it, and I fought it. And I sat there and I was like, not tonight. Because I wanted to continue living how I was living. I was having fun. I was enjoying life. I was one of, you know, arguably one of the most popular people at my school. I was a star athlete. I, I wanted to stay where I was, if I can be frank. Yeah. Right? They did an uh, invitation, you know, to Christian discipleship at the end of the play where they called people down if they wanted to make the choice to give their life to Christ, right? And I sat there. I sat there. I sat there. I watched many people go down and accept Christ. And I sat in my seat, and there was this pull. There was this pull mm -hmm. for me to go back down there and, like, rededicate my life. But I sat there because I was busy thinking about, like, okay, how are my friends going <clears> to <throat> perceive me? Yep. Influence. How am I gonna how am I gonna erase like all that I've done, all the all the mess that I've been talking about being this way, all the trying to be Snoop and all the, you know, mixing and mingling with the girls and you know, being, you know, my sexual activity with the girls, like how was all of those things gonna be perceived? So it kept me in that seat, right? Mm -hmm. And the pastor of the church, as he's making that call to Christian discipleship. He said he felt like there was one more. And he said, if that's you, if that's you, I just need you to raise your hand. And so I, I wrote it. I wrote it in my book like this. Like I slipped my hand up only where God could see. Uh, I slipped it up only, only where God could see it, man. I wasn't confident about it, man. I didn't raise it high. But as low as I raised my hand, the pastor of the church said, I see you. Come on down from the balcony. Mm. And I got up and I went down and I rededicated my life to Christ that night. Now, my relationship with Christ really changed after that. Like I was, I was really doing my best to walk the straight and narrow. And again, in full transparency, that just didn't last long because once I got to college, yeah, some other things got in the way, which I also talk about in my book. Okay, there was some, some pride things that got in the way. I talk about a, a game of spades where I got in an argument with you know this dude that I met, you know, while at college, and we got in an argument over a game of spades, and I just put Christ on the back burner because I was like, oh, he think he think it's sweet. Uh oh. And it, it, ain't, it ain't sweet, so like, I gotta let him know, like, I ain't, I ain't soft, like, this ain't what it is, but I put Christ on the back burner again. So, like, that that full rededication lasted for about two months, mm -hmm. maybe three, and then there was, like, this backslidden stage again, and that took me, like, years to really come out of. I wasn't, you know, as bad with my walk as I was in high school. Yeah. It's a little bit better. But man, I was I was still I ended up being so far away, right? So there was the end and out. And then maybe in around 2011, I had a real like life changing experience with Christ, and um, I consider myself to be one that was addicted to sexual immorality, um, was addicted to sex, and God really dealt with me on that. I, I give that whole story in my book. God really dealt with me on that, and. Yeah just for the skinny of the story, like he allowed me to wrestle with a demon one night. Mm. 
And the only way that I was released from that sexual demon was by calling on the name of Jesus. Wow. And after calling on the name of Jesus three times, I felt that demon release me and I saw that demon vanish. This was not some dream. This was not like some vision. Like this is something that really happened to me. So my relationship with Christ was forever changed after that, because that night I felt like I was dying. The demon was killing me. Mm. So my relationship has been forever changed. And, and I guess like that, that was the major, the ultimate breaking point for me. One, thank you for being so very, very, very honest and transparent yeah. with your experience. Yeah. I just had an ad lib. I'm ignorant. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm ignorant. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. This is, this is why we do this. Uh, I could share similar experiences um, with my walk as well. I know all about the backsliding for sure. Um, wow. So, <laughs> man, that that those breaking points, those mm, those moments. Whew, I got the chills, man. I got the chills because I just I know so many other people who have had those moments as well, and they're still fighting to get to a better mm -hmm. place man and i'm just so glad that you made it to a better place and i'm glad that you survived man uh a lot of people don't talk about that part of the actual struggle maybe they're embarrassed maybe they want to pe want people to think it looks a certain way no it's tough like <laughs> we're human yeah. we're imperfect we have temptations yeah. we want to do things these things are fun these things are pleasurable and it's like eh, if i go over here i can't do this anymore but like you yep. said i gotta yep. think ahead yeah this yeah. is fun right now yeah this feels good right now what about the next life or how am i even feel about this next week or what does this say about me as a person my morals my values what i represent yep. what people say yep. about me when i'm not around what would my family think what would the people who raised me really think and feel about what i'm doing i hear like you have to i say this all the time you got to live with the decisions that you make i don't think people really get that but like your decisions are a part of your life. They're a part of you. Those things stick with you and everything doesn't feel good, especially in retrospect, when you become wiser, you start doing better and you look back at some of the things you've done. Like there's things I think about that I've done that make me uncomfortable to this day. I'm past it. I prayed about it, but I'm like, oh, I can't believe I ever did that. Yeah. Yeah. So I get where you're coming from. So, okay. Backtrack a little bit. Tell us about your book. You just told us yes. about your book, but <laughs> tell us about your book and make sure you tell people where they can get it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Young Man, We Gotta Make It to Heaven is the title of the book. It's written with every young man in mind from ages 11 on up because a lot of our struggles are common. But I wrote this book as a life raft to young men who are either, A, they, they have a relationship with Christ, but they're struggling, right? B, they want a relationship with Christ, but they don't really understand how to have that. Or C, it's inspiration for people who don't know Christ. It's inspiration for them to push and strive for eternal reward. So the book was written with young men in mind. I'm very transparent in the book. I talk about my struggles. I'm not only giving the struggle though, but I'm giving the how-to in the book as well. And just from my from my experience, no pun intended, right? <laughs> <laughs> From my experience, man, it's the best hundred pages that you could ever read, the best hundred pages that I've ever written. I kept it short and sweet for a specific reason because I remember at 15, man, I wasn't reading no two <laughs> straight books. No Matter of fact, I wasn't even trying to read the book. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I'm just glad that, you know, God allowed me to pack as much as I could into a hundred pages for the young man who was not interested in reading, but may they find something, may they find a gift wrapped inside of this book, right? Mm -hmm. Young man, we got to make it to heaven. We can find that on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Listen, pick it up. Pick it up. And prayerfully, like, you'll get what you need from it. The links will be in the description of this uh, episode. Um, also, Decius will be featured on fmepodcast.com. You'll see his picture, and you'll have links to his social media and to this website so you can grab the book. So all that stuff will be there. Whew. So, Okay. Question, What? how did you know, when did you decide, okay, I need to put this into a book? So you know what, Rob, like the, the initial goal was not a book. 
right? It's not a book. I run my mouth a lot, right? And, <laughs> and, and I mean that. I mean that in a good way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm always pouring into people. So I'm on my way home from work one night, and you know, God gave me like what ended up being one of the chapters in the book, but. I just started speaking into my phone, like the thoughts and the ideas that were coming to me. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to make a PowerPoint and put this on a nice little slide and, mm-hmm. you know, present this as I mentor and as I coach, you know what I mean? Like maybe I'm, I'm supposed to do it that way. So I ended up, uh, maybe I put that in my phone, maybe like a year later, Rob, Erica, year later, like I ended up just like putting that on paper out of my phone onto paper. And then that happened a few more times. A, a book was not was never the intent, because I've never considered myself like that kind of writer. But God had a, had other plans, right? So the book was never intended, but it became a book because as I continued to write and put that thing on paper, it's just like okay, like yeah, this is shaping out to be a book. And praise God today, like we have young man. We got to make it to heaven and prayerfully it's going to deliver some young men and get them to start running toward Christ. Mm. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy how things just come together sometimes. Come together, right? Just come together. <laughs> uh, Erica, you got more questions? I, I, I was trying to look at my questions. I have them up on the screen. <laughs> no, I, you know, I can't see <laughs> Um, Lord have mercy. Mine would be uh, also with you writing this book, would it also serve as a guide for someone who wants to do the same thing as you while trying to be that person in their own community and helping with the youth? Absolutely. Because the book is, the book is also motivation. It's, mm-hmm. it's motivation, man, to like, to walk in integrity, to be like the real you and who you've been called to be. And like, if the real you is, to be that in your community or to be that in your circle or to be that in your church or to be that in your school. Like if it's to be that wherever you're supposed to be that man, it's encouragement for that. It's encouragement for that. Like there's a place for you. Right. So like I'd encourage, you know, I've even, I've had uh, women that have read the book and it's just, it's a good book. I I believe for anybody. Yes. Like my, my focus is the young man, Mm -hmm. right. But that doesn't mean that like the young woman isn't going to get what she needs from the book as well. Right. Um, But yeah, it's, it's encouragement, man, for everybody to like walk in, walk in purpose, like walk in purpose, step out there and let's get it done for the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? If you believe again that there's life after this one, like mm-hmm. let's start tri- striving toward that eternal reward. Man, Decius, thank you so much for just sharing your journey, sharing your yeah. story, and giving us these words of wisdom. I needed this more than you'll ever know. <laughs> Funny, man. Funny. Um, I got one more question for you, and this is what I sent you on Instagram. So, and for all the listeners, this is gonna be brand new. In 2024 and moving forward, me and Erica on the last episode, we're talking about uh, if we had a time capsule and we're leaving it for future generations to find, what will we put in this time capsule? Um, And I said, you know, that's a good question to ask our guests because we have people on here who are influential, who have their own journeys, who have their own paths. And I just want to pose that question to you, my brother, the first guest to get this question. What would you leave in that time capsule for future generations to discover? <laughs> that's good. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I would first have to say the Bible. Okay. Mm-hmm. I definitely put a Bible in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Your book, of course. My book. You know, man, we got <laughs> To foster all future generations of young men who are chasing after Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, man, a bottle of Coca-Cola, man. Like, oh my goodness. Like, it's just something about a good cold Coca-Cola that, that does it. Would it be a bottle or a can? Nah, the, the bottle. Okay. The bottle. Yeah, just the bottle. for the, you know, the purpose of being able to open it and close it. Yeah. So, um, the can is just like, okay, you got to drink it or, yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, a Bible, 
Young Man, We Gotta Make It to Heaven book and the Ice Cold Coca-Cola. Man, all right. I can dig that. I can dig that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap man uh Decius, thank you again man for joining us and sharing your powerful story uh everyone out there listening i hope that you got some words of encouragement for this and again the book is available the link will be on our website the link will be in the description of the show go support this brother but and you don't have to buy the book for yourself buy it for somebody else i'm gonna go get a copy right after we stop recording right now um so <laughs> Without further ado, I'm going to hit our little exit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Thank you for those who like, share, subscribe, and support the podcast. This is what we do. We promote positivity. And until next time, take care of yourselves physically, mentally, and financially. And we'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Peace.